Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
differentiation. We're simply attached to fruit activities. We're mean-minded. We're always pained to see the flourishing condition of others and then thus give distress to them by uttering harsh and piercing words. I've already been killed by prophets. Thus there is no need for them to be killed again by an exalted personality like you. Shabbat's report. Persons who are materialistic and always engaged in fruitive activities for a material profit cannot endure seeing the flourishing life of others. Except for a few persons in Krishna consciousness, the entire world is full of such envious persons who are perpetually full of anxieties because they are attached to the material body and are without self-realization. Since their hearts are always filled with anxiety, it is understood that they have already been killed by providence. Thus Lord Shiva, the self-realized Vaishnava, was advised not to kill Daksha. A Vaishnava is described as Paratokadokhi because although he is never distressed in any condition of life, he is distressed to see others in a distressed condition. Vaishnavas therefore should not try to kill by any action of the body or mind but should try to revive the Krishna consciousness of others out of compassion for them. The Krishna consciousness movement has been started to deliver the envious persons of the world from the clutches of Maya. And even though devotees are sometimes put into trouble, they push on the Krishna consciousness movement in all tolerance. Lord Chaitanya advises,
Except for a few persons in Krishna consciousness, the entire world is full of people who, to some degree or another, are actually suffering from this mentality, which is alarming. <laughs> it's alarming. It's amazing that the whole thing doesn't just fall apart at any time <laughs> with the amount of uh, envy and kind of um, burdens that the conditioned souls are carrying. That's just Krishna's arrangement that it doesn't just implode spontaneously. But this is actually a fact, it's not an exaggeration that other than a few persons who are really in Krishna consciousness, everyone is suffering from this tendency to one degree or another. And um, human life is the, the place to actually deal with that. Uh, animals don't deal with it. They're just moved along the conveyor belt of a material existence automatically. Um, but human beings can actually take an active role in their purification. And therefore we see that some human beings are um, more literally along the lines of what is being said here. They actually are very mean-minded. They are always, they actually are always paying to see the pollution and condition of others and are uttering harsh and piercing words. And some have had that purified to some degree. But we should be very clear that this is not um, simply pointing out those people who we can say are literally always uh, uttering harsh and piercing words. Because this tendency is there. It has to be there because the material world is a world of limited resources. That's one of the definitions of material existence. All the resources are limited because we consider ourselves to be matter and we consider the products of matter to be belonging to us. And therefore, we take this default position, which is a false position, that I am this, these are mine. And because we're not that, and they aren't ours, and because of Krishna's arrangement, the resources that we're trying to actually enjoy are limited. Therefore, we have to have some envy in our heart, as long as we're in this misconception. It's inevitable. We're going to be pitted against one another in such a kind of false game of survivor. It doesn't actually end well. It doesn't bring out the best in one another. Anybody who watch those reality shows like Survivor, the persons who win are the ones who are the most ruthless. It doesn't bring out the best in them. It's not meant to. That's why people watch, because actually that's the nature of this world, and we know it on some level or another. In order to actually be successful, you have to follow the philosophy of the ends, justify the means. At some point, everybody has to sacrifice their deep-held principles in the material world. And that's um, a disgraceful and embarrassing condition. But that's the way it is, as long as we are attached to this idea that we are the material body, and those of matter, and our considerations are only in relationship to matter. Therefore, this verse is actually true of everybody in that consciousness, whether they're a little more polished or a little more rough. <clears throat> so, I was thinking about how Srila Prabhupada periodically reminds us of the purpose of this Krishna consciousness movement. He says here, in the middle of the purport, the Krishna consciousness movement has been started to deliver the envious persons of the world. That's our purpose. That's our, 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 our statement of purpose here by Srila Prabhupada. He, he states other things in other places, but this is one of the more common kind of formulations of why the Krishna consciousness movement exists and what we're trying to do. And it's an extremely important task and it's an extremely heavy task. And I think that sometimes when I hear this, due to material consciousness, due to thinking in terms of limited resources, which I'm used to doing for so many lifetimes, this seems like a burden. <laughs> seems like an onerous task. Okay, so you sign up to be part of the Krishna consciousness movement. Here's your, uh, here's your mission statement. We're actually, Delivering the envious persons of the world. All of them. We're actually going to deliver everybody. Everybody. That's our purpose. And that, uh, that's actually a liberating prospect for everyone, including ourselves. But in material consciousness, even as devotees, we can think, can I, can, can I get a break? <laughs> Do I have to keep doing stuff? Uh, this mission, you know, it's like a little big for me. But um, I'd like to, with this class, try to take the pie in the sky of the pure devotee like Shiva or others who we're going to talk about and their truly worshipable um, level of compassion for others and bring ourselves closer to it step by step and help us to apply it in our lives. So the first point that I think that 
Prabhupada brings up, which makes this kind of compassion relevant for us, even at the conditioned stage, is that, as he says here, the entire world is full of such envious persons, and they're characterized by this. They're perpetually full of anxieties. Since their hearts are always filled with anxieties, it is understood that they have already been killed. That's what it means that they've been killed. Prabhupada is clarifying it for us. Daksha has, he had already been killed before he was physically killed. Um, the Bhagavatam says in another place that, in the second canto, that um, somebody who has a great crown on their head but doesn't use that head to bow down to Krishna is simply carrying a painful burden. You know, if I went to you and said, I've got, um, I've got 30 pounds of hard lead, or whatever metal, I want to put it on your head for the next, anytime, a couple hours, a couple days, just, you're just going to carry it around. If you're intelligent, you say, no, that's, that's ridiculous, well, I don't want to do that. But the idea of actually being a king or any other kind of glorified position, if you don't use that in Christian service, it's just simply a burden. Your neck is going to ache because of it. It's literally a pain in the back. So, similarly, somebody who with the human form of light, goes on living and breathing, but doesn't actually glorify the Lord, is considered to be like a bellows of a blacksmith's shop. You know, the lungs are working, the machine is going on, but they're like a dead person walking. So in that sense, Brahma's pointing out that the, in, the, in the truest sense, such a person is not said to really be alive, because they're always filled with anxiety just by living. Their, their condition is one, a series of never-ending, one after the other, anxious conditions. 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita points this out too. Krishna talks about the mentality of the demoniac persons. But isn't just talking about how they're a source of pain for others. He points out in at least two places that they're always suffering themselves. Until the end of life, their suffering is immeasurable. Chintam aprineyam cha. Aprineya means they can't be measured. The suffering that they're undergoing themselves because of their own misalignment is so bad that it can't actually be measured. And therefore, that chapter and that perspective, and when the pure devotees are Krishna point out this disharmony, this demoniac tendency, it's not in the sense of, oh, they're the bad guys. It's in the sense of, look how, look how much suffering is built into this condition. They create suffering for others, they're creating suffering for themselves. So for ourselves, when we hear about this mission of Krishna consciousness, the first thing we have to do is try to deliver ourselves. Because we're coming into this movement with this, a series of anxieties built on misconceptions. And that's just the way it is. Other than a very few persons, no one comes to this movement as an incarnation, you know, free from the modes of nature just to help others. We have some work to do. We need mercy ourselves. So if we hear this mission statement, we're here to deliver all the envious persons of the world. We can tackle on this a little lighter, beginning with myself. And that's a really helpful thing because uh, one of the first lessons we learn in sadhana is that actually I'm suffering deeply all the time. In material consciousness, I thought I was pretty great, and I thought it was a big deal, and I was really happy. By chanting Hare Krishna, I realized what happiness actually is, and by contrast, I, I can see that, no, my conditioned state of being is actually one of confusion, um, suffering, unnecessary anger, the burdens of lust and greed, etc., etc., and that really kind of sucks. I kind of have had it with that. I don't, I'm not happy with that condition. I'd like to get over that, please, Krishna. So that's our first mission. Put the big target on our chest and say, Krishna, um, I need help. I need help first. Um, one great Sankirtan devotee, I don't remember his name, used to be a, a Sankirtan partner from a guru manaj, but she used to go for us together. And this devotee uh, would, would often be asked, what the Maha Mantra means, because he'd present books, but he'd also teach the Maha Mantra, which is a highly recommended activity. When you, when you give a book, you can say, I'll, I'll teach you a mantra, it helps with stress. And I, I do this too, I can say, 19 out of 20 people will chant the Maha Mantra back, and if the other one won't, the one person, they'll chant it longer. So you teach the Maha Mantra, and sometimes they ask you what it means. And then it's not Prabhu Sambandha Gyan, but they don't, have, they don't have the patience to digest this level of Sambandha Gyan on the street, so you give them a condensed version. So this devotee would say, being asked what it meant, he said, it means, Krishna, I need help. I need help. My Guru Maharaj overheard this in, uh, in an exchange on book distribution and he 
brought that back with him to his side, brought that back with him to his own sadhana. When he put his hand in the bag, he was chanting, thinking, Krishna, I need help, Krishna, I need help, Krishna, I need help. And that's a bona fide, that is a bona fide process. So that's the first thing, to make it relevant for ourselves and to take it from the level of, oh, that's really nice that some devotee somewhere cares about the universe, but what, what does that mean for me? Down to the practical. We can care about ourselves. Lord Nityananda is described in the Nityanadashtakam, which is a glorious portrait of the heart of Vaishnava, as being compassionate upon those who even did have compassion on themselves. Persons who are so unfortunate, they don't even have, know how to be nice to themselves. Their condition is one of constant suffering. They're the objects of mercy in Nityananda. So we put ourselves under that shower, and they get the first cleansing, the first splashing. And that's an application of this principle. Because we want to be like Lord Shiva. We want to be free from this. We want to be an object, uh, a benefactor of mercy to others. But we have to be merciful to ourselves first. So when we are sitting down and our intelligence says, you really should finish your roundness right now. And the mind says, but I would like to take a three hour nap. And then I want to engage in daydreaming after that nap. And then I want to actually put that daydream into action by finding some gummy bears and um, like offering them in the course of a half a second to Krishna and eating all of them. And then I want to think about how my enemy is and how I want to crush them. And there's so many things I want to do besides chanting my rounds. I want to go on Facebook for a good long time today. And being merciful to ourselves means actually understanding that, yeah, I could do any of those other things, but there's only one of those things that's going to make me happy, finishing my rounds, because I've, I've actually done that sometimes the right, at the right time, and I realized this was an infinite number of times better than the other ideas I had for my life. Um, this actually made me happy because it was Krishna's idea, and lo and behold, he's pretty smart. And the other ideas I've had have not made me happy, and they've not made anyone else happy. Because you can't really make anyone else happy if you're not happy yourself. You can point the way, but um, you can't really help them along the way so much if you're struggling yourself. So we're, we're actually, all of us, are so many steps along the way further towards transcendental ecstasy than everybody, six and a half billion people out there. But the more we take it seriously to actually get that higher taste, to be merciful unto ourselves, the more we actually can help other people too. So that's one. Now beyond that, there's some, there's a nice word in the, in the, in the verse actually, excuse me, Durashaya, which Prabhupada translates as mean-minded. This Durashaya is also found in the famous verse in the seventh canto. And there Prabhupada translates it as being ambitious to enjoy this material world. So these things are synonymous. When you're ambitious to enjoy the material world, you have to become mean-minded, which is really along the same lines of what I was saying about limited resources. As long as we have that orientation to the world that it's ours to enjoy, even if we're, our orientation is I'm going to do it in a nice way, it doesn't end well. We have to become mean-minded. It's a game of survivor. It's not going to bring out the best in you. And in the uh, Monier Williams Sanskrit Dictionary, it points out that one of the meanings of Durashaya literally is the subtle body which is not destroyed by death. Durashaya actually means that part of you, that burden, the subtle level that you're carrying life after life. The material gross body is, is done at death. That's the definition of death. But you take another material body as long as you have this Durashaya, this mean-mindedness, this desire to enjoy the world that is non-different from that subtle body that is taking you to your next uh, destination in the material world. And therefore, once you see that, like Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma, this is the conversation between two exalted Vaishnavas. They both understand this. They actually understand that anybody who's in this place is an object of compassion. Because whether they're winning or losing in the game of material life, whether their ledger is in the black or in the red, whether they're young and they have no wrinkles, or they're old and they're saggy, it doesn't matter. They're actually always a loser. They're an unfortunate loser. They're losing because they have this aspect of the subtle body that's dragging them around, this ball and chain that, that's digging into the ground of the material world, and is forcing them to accept embarrassing condition after embarrassing condition. And therefore, from their perspective, these Vaishnavas simply feel compassion. So, 
I felt purified just hearing this verse and getting an insight from the verse of her boy into the mentality of why she felt like that. Just knowing that such a person exists. What to speak that I could become something like that one day myself. But this is just that such a person exists is glorious. So in terms of application, you know, we're hearing about how the devotees don't attack or counterattack the envious. We may not be there yet. If we're not free from the tendency to uh, lash out at the level of false ego when someone corrects us or someone cuts us off in traffic or whatever happens, then we're not really there yet. Because there's this thought experiment, you know, like if you're, if you're driving, ever had this experience, you're driving and someone cuts you off like all of a sudden without their blinker, they get way too close to your front bumper and then they kind of like slam on the brakes and they're like just out to lunch, right? And you just get angry, right? Just like, what are you doing out here, Jiva? Like, what's wrong with you? You call names? Maybe you grip on the steering wheel tightens? And then imagine that happens and you see inside the car and you realize, oh my God, that's my mom. <laughs> mom, come on, mom. Mom, get your glasses on, mom. But your, your, uh, your sense of anger dissipates because you have a relationship with that person, right? You may have to have a like, little, little talk with them later, but um, it's, it's because there's a relationship there that you actually can get over it. But actually, the relationship's always there. The pure devotee sees that. That's the difference. They can see that, and I don't. Therefore, I may be um, yelling at people when they cut me off in traffic. I may be suffering from road rage and so forth. So, to apply this point about the non-enviousness and the divine compassion of pure devotees in our lives, it doesn't mean we imitate that, but Prabhupada points out that, see how he puts it, he states it this way, he says, a Vaishnava should follow the examples of such Vaishnavas as Haridas Thakur, Nityanandapur, and Lord Jesus Christ. So we can't imitate that, but part of following the examples of that of those Vaishnavas is, is one, knowing the examples and reminding ourselves. This is what Shravanam um, Kirtana means, actually. Just by hearing this verse, we're actually reliving the experience of Brahma with deep affection, taking darshan of a fellow Vaishnava whose heart is so pure that Brahma can say this to him. You know, my dear fellow Vaishnava, lover of Govinda, you and I know that all these people like this, like this Dakshar person, are just suffering. They're just suffering, so take compassion on them because they have to carry this burden. We get to experience that, that feeling that Brahma has for Lord Shiva. And remembering that quality of Lord Shiva is very uplifting for ourselves. That is part of the process, is to, be, is to choose to be uplifted by spiritual sound. We're coming to Bhagavatam class, we're tuning in online, we're, we have our own reading sadhana, and we're putting ourselves in front of transcendental vibration. Prabhupada said, he said, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Helping yourself means putting yourself in front of transcendental sound vibration. That's practical, because you can do that. You can't wake up tomorrow, I mean, maybe you can, I can't, wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to be like Lord Shiva today. I'm going to care about every little living entity in this universe with divine compassion. That's not practical for me. But I can put myself in front of sound, sound vibration and hear about this person. I can hear about Prabhupada Maharaj. I can hear about Vasudev Dutta. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Madhya 15, Mahaprabhu is glorifying his devotees. And Vasudevdatta, he's just overflowing with his feeling and he, he starts speaking up. This first Mahaprabhu is actually glorifying him. And he interrupts him. He says, My dear Lord, you incarnate just to deliver all conditioned souls. I have now one petition which I wish you would accept. My Lord, my heart breaks to see the sufferings of all the conditioned souls. Therefore, I request you to transfer the karma of their sinful lives upon my head. My dear Lord, let me suffer perpetually in a hellish condition. Accepting all the sinful reactions of all living entities, please finish their diseased material life. So, Mahaprabhu was amazed by that, and he says, Actually, whatever appears what he wants from his master, Lord Krishna, doubtless he grants, because he has no duty other than to fulfill the desires of the devotee. And he points out that, why would you have to suffer? Why would you have to? You're saying you want to take the karma of everybody. You're so dear to Krishna, why would you have to do anything like that? Just by wanting it, 
Krishna will reciprocate with your desire and set them all free and give them love for himself. That's how powerful you are. Now by hearing about that, such a person who is so close to the Lord, we become purified. We actually move closer to our goal. When we hear about Prahlad Maharaj in the fifth canto, praise similarly. He says very famously, May there be good fortune throughout the universe, and may all envious persons be pacified. May all living entities become calm by practicing bhakti yoga, for by accepting devotional service, they will think of each other's welfare. Therefore, let us all engage in the service of the Supreme Transcendence, Lord Sri Krishna, and always remain absorbed in thought of Him. We can become uplifted and also get some practical advice, because Pilat Maharaj is giving advice in that verse. It's actually a prayer to the same thing, but he says, may we remain absorbed in thought of Him, and engage in his service. So we can try to do that. We can try to remain absorbed in thought of him and engage in his service. And that includes hearing about this um, quality that the pure devotee has in divine compassion. It comes out in these series of verses that are scattered throughout Bhagavatamsha and Tridhamrita of prayers. Another thing we can do, other than trying to help ourselves and also putting ourselves in front of transcendental sign vibration, is to approach the platform that Shri Jiva Goswami talks about. In the purport, in his commentary on Ishwari Tadhinishu, Balisheshu Visasuja, Prema Maitri Kripopeksha, Yakaroti Samatyamaha, Shri Jiva Goswami, talking about that verse which defines the Madhyam Adhikari, one who can actually differentiate. They give their prema to Krishna, their love is for God, their divine, like actual. Worshipping love is for Krishna. Their friendship is for the devotees. They give mercy to those who are actually innocent, and they are Upeksha, they neglect, they give space to the envious. Jiva Goswami says that, um, first he points out that the devotee is not, um, they're not so naive to think that everyone is ready for mercy all the time, and therefore some people are in this condition where they should be given space. But, he points out, that's an active condition, not a passive condition for the devotee, because the devotee still prays for them. He says, this is the quality, the same quality of a Vaishnava. When they see somebody who's not ready to hear the Mahamantra, they're not ready to practice, they're not ready to even take prasadam or say Gauranga, they're so distracted on their human path that they won't even say Gauranga and take like a burpee or something. Like, that's pretty sad, right? They'll give them space, the devotee will, but they'll pray for them from a distance. So we can do that. We can start to do that because that's for Madhyamadikaris. That's not for Uttamadikaris. Uttamadikaris don't have to practice with compassion. They already do. They're Vasudev Dutta, they're Pralad Maharaj, they're Lord Shiva. But Madhyamadikaris, that's something we can actually practice. We can practice being Madhyamas. So that means when someone cuts us off in traffic or we meet them on Sankirtan and they call us ill names, or we're at the grocery store and they, they cut ahead of us or do some nonsense thing that people are always doing in this material world. Or vote for whatever candidate we don't happen to like in the last election or the next election. You know, Instead of becoming sectarian about it, we can simply look and say, this person is suffering. And therefore, Krishna, please help them. Um, please help them by giving them your own service. That's a practical prayer we can have. And if we put this into practice ourselves, they'll become purified and we'll become purified. Because we're not a Paramahamsa that can deliver everybody with all their anarthas. And we're also not at a level where we can simply tolerate feeling envy at all these situations coming up in our lives. We have to do something. Jiva Goswami points out that you can actually give them space, don't try to force anything on them, but pray for them. And I don't think there's really any excuses in this matter. Everybody can offer a prayer. It doesn't even require a tongue. You just need a heart. You just take a second and you pray to Krishna that this person's suffering. I don't even know how they're suffering. I don't know the ins and outs of their karma, but they're suffering and I can see the results of it in some way. And I know and I accept that really the, the ultimate cause of their suffering is they've forgotten you and they need you, they need your service. If we think in this way, we actually become uplifted. And there's a good chance that Krishna will help them too. I've put this in practice in my own life. When I'm reminded um, of how I was, how, is that, how does Shakespeare put it? He says, uh, 
I have men more sinned against than sinning. This is what we like to think about ourselves, right? Whether it's true or not. I am a person more sinned against than sinning. I've been a victim in so many ways. Sometimes this comes up like in job, I can think about that. Some conversation you had like 20 years ago, somebody like said something to you, like hard, right? That was so painful. If you just pause, or there's some bigger, you know, bigger thing in which you were like, you were violated, you were hurt. If you just pause at that point and offer your next mantra to that person, say, you know what, Krishna? I don't know whether they're going through, but they're probably not here chanting 16 rounds a day like I am. They're not seeing your glorious lotus face and, and singing the Dhamma Rashtra. They're not taking your prasadam. So they're definitely suffering worse than I am. So I'm in a position to offer some mercy. The mercy I have is please, you give them the same thing you gave me because you and I both know I didn't deserve it. <laughs> I don't deserve any of this mercy. And here you are like showering it on me and I'm some kind of monkey and still you're bringing me to the temple and giving me your own devotional practice and the association of your devotees. Why don't you give it to these people too? Why not? And if you think like that, you'll feel better. And you won't have to perseverate on whatever you're going through on the mental platform. That's my experience. I don't always do it, but when I do, it works. And I, I highly recommend it. So, rather than getting on the mental platform when someone gets in your face, literally, sometimes, that can happen, on Sankirtan, rather than getting on the mental platform when someone violates your needs in some way or another, which has always happened in this world, and is painful, we can simply offer it to Lord Chaitanya that, okay, it happened again. Somebody, you know, stepped on my toes here. I'm sure I've done that a billion times myself. But this time I'm asking you, please give them devotional service. Let them once chant your, chant your name. Let them, let them taste prasad. And if you train yourself to start to think in this way, you'll, have, you'll start to begin to experience what divine compassion is. You act as a Mantamani Hari, and at the very least, you become free from that suffering condition of Oh, why me? Oh, this person did that. Oh, this person this, right? Which we have to be conditioned by otherwise. So these are some thoughts. It's 852. We talked about the, the heart of the pure Vaishnava. And we talked about, um, first of all, not being afraid of this mission of Krishna consciousness to deliver all envious persons, but by making sure that we remember that we're envious and we need to be merciful to ourselves first. Then we give a practical way to do that by putting ourselves in front of transcendental vibration. And a specific way to do that is to hear about persons like this who are free from envy, which is both uplifting and gives um, edifying advice. And finally, we heard from Jiva Goswami about one thing we can do in our practice, which is to pray that others who are not ready for Krishna consciousness or who are, who are offenders in some way, they're practically not even operating as human beings, pray for their well being. And that will help us and help. That's something we can do right now. So we'll take comments, questions, and reflections. Uh, anything I heard that stuck out? Anything you'd like to say? Hare Krishna. Thank you. Even though you're, you're, 
merits of the film of Colfax Avenue, and by seeing that, become purified and advanced Christian consciousness. And you do that, you're a sanctified devotee, and you will experience a greater satisfaction in purifying the, the stairway in uh, Radha Krishna's temple on Cherry Street. So it's a, it's a state of mind that one can cultivate and eventually become addicted to. And we have examples of persons who are addicted to that. They can't stop doing sankirtan um, because it really is the highest taste. So I recommend it for everybody. Thank you for that. More? Arunidra? Or maybe we could have Arunidra last. Final word. Well, I appreciate what you subject to the, uh, the restrictions of limited resources. I was in the Dham of Madhura Maharaj for Karthi one year, and I received some news that one devotee who was under my care, a friend of mine, um, this devotee was really suffering back, back home. They were, they were suffering in, in tremendous ways, and I couldn't really directly do anything for them, because uh, the schedules didn't line up. I couldn't really talk to them much. But I revealed what they were going through to my Guru Maharaj and I asked them, like, is it bona fide to, and we're doing these vratas for Karthi, we're like walking around Govardhan Hill, we're eating and chanting this much every day, is it, is it like a bona fide practice to give the results of some of that away? And he said, yes, absolutely it is. And if you do that, they'll get benefit and you'll get benefit. It doesn't, not, it's not like a material thing where it's like, okay, I can give you, my dear beggar, like the quarter from my pocket and um, you get the quarter and I don't, right? Or best case scenario, you get the quarter and I get like that with interest in my next life because I'm trying to do some pious activity. No, if you actually sincerely are in that mood, then you can be giving that away all the time. So I said to him, well, wait a minute, if that's true, why don't we just always do that? <laughs> it seems like the best deal ever. He's like, yes, yes, <laughs> was his answer. Because that's the mathematics of spiritual consciousness. So I take that since it came from his own, his own example and now. Mother Nidra for the close. Thanks, Guru. You're talking about uh, merciful uh, to oneself. And those, and then, you know, those in the world can follow our own consciousness, self indulgence. views on consciousness is usually merciful and very self-indulgent in terms of expectation, false ego, and all those things. So um, how can we properly discriminate um, what kinds of devotees have experienced in the past of feeling that being merciful to themselves is self-indulgent? Part of the program is 
find the service is concerned, things of the world first, rather than you know just the rebellion kind of thing, right? But then you also begin to you know, take care of your Krishna consciousness, your Krishna consciousness. Also, you do that first. Okay, so both things. Right. Yeah. So um, I think the most important takeaway or I guess part of the answer that I would have is that you have to hear, you have to hear extensively from Srila Prabhupada in his books and be able to uh, hear the different perspectives that he's giving so that you can actually reconcile them and, and know for yourself at any given time what's what you need and how what your balance looks like. Because if you don't do that, if you don't hear, you only have the voice of your own mind and maybe you have some spiritual authorities around you, but there are examples of persons giving instructions like that which didn't help their their their, their um, dependents. There are persons who were great Sankirtan devotees who were discouraged from reading Prabhupada's books. And they frankly don't have a very good success rate in Krishna consciousness um, until they actually reform that attitude because if you don't do that, you can go off the rails really quickly. Prabhupada said, I've written these books to be read by all of you to become pure devotees and go back home not just to be sold. But he also said, I didn't just write them to sit in this temple and not be distributed. Those, both of those things are there. But we wouldn't know that if we didn't read the books and hear from Prabhupada. So the, the one instruction that I think that if everybody took very seriously would solve all the other problems is that one, to actually hear properly from him. And uh, that's an absolutely um, inescapably important thing that devotees can do. And then they'll be preached to by Shri Prabhupada himself, and they can reconcile under guidance what that looks like for themselves. You know, I read something recently, I'll just close with this, that humility means not taking more than you need for yourself, but pride means taking less than what you actually needed. You think about that, like, if you think, like, I don't need to be reading these books, I can just distribute them to others. I mean, maybe if you're, like, some kind of an incarnation, Otherwise, you shouldn't be so proud to think that you don't, Prabhupada came here to give something you don't need yourself. That's, that's actually a function of pride that can rear its head um, in the name of, of uh, compassion. You know, a dead paramedic doesn't save anybody, right? A dead paramedic is a proud paramedic. Right? You have to know your limits. And if you learn from history, we can see that what the limits are too. We have to chance these new grounds. We can't skip on that. We have to follow regular principles. They're not a joke, they're for our benefit. We have to do Sankirtan, we have to take our sadness seriously, including breathing. And if you do those things, then you become an agent for good, and you'll be able to purify yourself. And they all support one another. One doing one makes the other ones easier too, so it's not like it's a big burden, it's actually like part of a package deal. Thank you. Sorry to go on so long. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Vashtra Dhamma Sri Vishra, Guru Vasudhi Vishra, Kutitana, Amen, Yoga, Shri Jum.